Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, September 9th. We begin with a look back at Wednesday night's French language leaders debate and a look ahead to Thursday night's English debate. We discuss with Mike LeCouture, Global National Ottawa correspondent. Still on the topic of the debates, what can we learn from these debates without hearing a single word? We speak with body language expert Robin Braley on what we should be looking for from the leaders. It seems to be a hot button issue these days, vaccine passports. We discuss the pros and cons of the passports with technology futurist Ian Kahn. And finally, it's one of the most popular annual events in the city, the Calgary Expo. We speak with Expo organizer Andrew Moyes for what fans can expect at this year's edition taking place this weekend. Well, last night we saw the second French debate play out with our federal party leaders. And uh, we'll get an update now on what was talked about last night and what we might watch for this evening in the English debate. We're joined this morning by Global National Ottawa correspondent Mike LeCouture. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, one of the first questions of the night last night centered around why we're having an election right now. And that certainly put Justin Trudeau on the hot seat right off the hop. How did that one unfold? Yeah, and it's all leaders who basically ganged up on him and saying this was useless. We didn't need this election. Uh, and into the point that Jagmeet Singh even called it a selfish power grab for Trudeau. Now, keep in mind, some of this as well had a bit of a backdrop on, you know, mandatory vaccines. That was being discussed as well at the time and the different sort of proposals and the different ideas by the different parties. So Trudeau tried to turn it on its head and say, look, the different ideas that we have up here on the stage are exactly why Canadians deserve a say in how we emerge from this pandemic. That is what he had said on the day that the writ dropped when he, uh, you know, triggered this election and saying that there are big ideas and there are big things that need to happen in this country and, uh, you know, discuss how we move forward as a country and that Canadians deserve to have the say. I don't know that that um, continues to resonate with Canadians, but certainly either way, uh, they're going to have to have their say, either when advanced polls open on Friday or on the 20th when they'll be casting their ballot. The latest polls, when you look in Quebec, have the Bloc Québécois and the Liberals neck and neck. Did the debate last night change the fortunes of either party? Uh, it's hard to say whether or not it will move the needle there because this is, uh, you know, as we've mentioned, really the second debate. This is the first, uh, you know, with the consortium. The first one before that was with TVA. Uh, and, you know, and that was where we saw them neck and neck again. It didn't really move the needle a lot, but we knew that we were going to see uh, sort of on the main card, if you want to put it in the boxing terms, that you were going to see uh, Trudeau and Blanchette, Yves-François Blanchette, the leader of the Bloc Québécois, going head-to-head in this one and really uh, locking horns on it. And that's what we saw last night. Trudeau needed uh, to definitely score points in Quebec. You consider there are 78 seats there. A path to a majority government or even a path to government goes through Quebec. So Trudeau took exception, especially when uh, there was a discussion and, and, a, um, and a point uh, later in the debate where they were talking about governance on First Nations territories and in First Nations communities. And Trudeau was basically saying that, you know, it's not up to the federal government to sort of get into that or to butt into that. So Blanchette tried to turn it on its head and say, well, how can you say that about not, um, you know, putting your nose in the affairs of First Nations people, but you are definitely trying to dictate what happens to the nation of Quebec. We remember that the Harper government made that declaration in um, 
in, in the House of Commons saying that Quebec is a nation. Uh, and so Trudeau uh, really took exception to it and said, look, you are forgetting, sir, that I am a Quebecer. I speak for Quebecers because I uh, live there and our, our benches, the Liberal benches, do have Quebecers in it. Uh, and he really tried to hammer Blanchette and say, you are not the only party. You uh, yourself, Mr. Blanchette, do not have a monopoly on speaking for Quebec and Quebecers. Uh, and that, I, I thought, was one of those moments that Trudeau was definitely trying to take a hard swing mm -hmm. at Blanchette and make sure that he, he puts some you know daylight between himself and the Bloc Québécois uh, to try and convince Quebecers that they don't just have to vote for the Bloc Québécois if they want to have a voice in Ottawa. Uh, he's trying to, Trudeau is trying to make the point that if you want to have a voice in Ottawa, that is actually sitting at the table where decisions get made, that you should be voting for Liberals. And a lot of seats up for grabs in Quebec, no doubt, is a part of why it's so important to them, especially with those two debates. So we have one left. It's tonight's English language debate. How important is this one, Mike? I mean, extremely important. All eyes, uh, because it is the only one, uh, anybody who is paying attention to this election, and you'd have to think that people have done that now, especially after Labor Day, uh, even though people in our business would like to think that everybody's paying attention at all times, you'd have to think with the past 18 months in COVID-19 <laughs> that it really was, most people were saying, let me hold on to summer for just a bit longer before I tune in. So, um, and, and all the more important for the other leaders when you consider Jugmeet saying, Aaron O'Toole and Annemie Paul. Not that they were on the sidelines yesterday of the French language debate, but it wasn't their first language. Consider this. You know, French is Jagmeet Singh's third language behind English and Punjabi. So uh, he did well yesterday, but expect him to get his elbows up a bit more to try and get more involved, to take more airtime away from Trudeau. Uh, same thing with Annemi Paul and definitely Aaron O'Toole uh, when you consider where the, the polls are lining up and that it seems like this is going to be between a liberal minority and a conservative minority. O'Toole will definitely want to land some punches tonight. Mike, uh, thanks so much for the look back and the look ahead. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's Mike LeCouture, a global national Ottawa correspondent. Just how important is body language, especially when it comes to our leaders? Let's talk about last night's debate and what we should watch for at tonight's English language debate. And with the inside scoop, we're joined this morning by Robin Braley. Good morning, Robin. Well, good morning, Sue and Andy. Love to chat with you always. You always have such great insight. And when it comes to body language, what did you notice last night at the French language debate? Well, body language is nonverbal communication. It's a series of indicators that can dramatically impact how people feel about you and interpret what you say. You don't want to send mixed messages. Strong body language speaks to confidence, credibility, and trust. Shifty eyes, wild and crazy gestures can support or detract from what you're saying. So you don't want to be caught uh, uh, chopping or flopping or pointing or weaponizing your hand gestures. Your facial expressions want to back up what you're saying. What I saw last night was uh, no clear winner. Uh, Justin Trudeau, of course, is a master at uh, communication through the media or in person. And I saw uh, a Justin that uh, for the most part, was uh, very engaged. We saw the angry Justin on Labor Day. The question was, would he bring that to last night's debate and carry over to tonight? He did that. He was uh, he was very into uh, his presentation and his talking points and what he was saying. What Justin 
does do is at the end of speaking, he will get a what I call a smarmy look on his face. Uh, it's uh, kind of saying, so there. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what I'm saying is right and everybody else is wrong. Uh, now, Aaron O'Toole last night, uh, he, of course, he comes across as Mr. Nice Guy. Excellent facial expression, use of uh, eyes. Uh, he has a habit of holding his hands together in a universal sign of prayer. Uh, now, that uh, may be a good thing, but it becomes detracting as you go through uh, the debate. His gestures sometimes are abstract, but what is consistent is his facial expressions. They clearly back up what he's saying or his response when he's listening to other people. You can uh, get an idea of, of what he's thinking. Uh, Jake Mead last night was, uh, I thought, uh, lacked a little bit of energy. Of course, French is his third language, so you can understand that. But uh, he, in, in 2019, in the debates, he established himself as... Mr. Relationship, uh, Mr. Transparency, Authenticity. Uh, he shows that he cares. Uh, he shows that he really listens and understands what others are saying. Uh, last night, I thought he did that, but he lacked a little bit of, uh, of energy. And, of course, Annamie Paul, uh, her greatest achievement last night was just being there. Uh, she tends to use her hands in ways that uh, look like she's uh, flailing sometimes. It makes her look a little bit on balance. Uh, when uh, finished a statement, uh, she would also look entitled, like Justin Trudeau. Uh, there. Uh, that's it. I told you. Yeah. I'm right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about this, Robin. As an expert, I'm wondering, you know, obviously it's body language. It's not the spoken word. So last night was French. Tonight is English. Can we expect to see anything different because it's a different language, but uh, the body language will be the same or will we expect to see things different? I expect tonight will be more fiery. Now, we saw some emotion and some energy when uh, Justin Trudeau was uh, challenged about calling the election. Of course, uh, right near the end when Aaron O'Toole uh, was uh, challenged about his stand on daycare funding in Quebec, of course, abortion, gun control, uh, I could tell that, that they got to a little, a little bit at that point and one of the things that really is uh, informative is watching what candidates are doing when they think the camera is not on them. Mm. That can speak volumes about their sense of confidence and preparedness. So uh, there are a gazillion cameras on each camera. Uh, there's side shots, there's overhead shots, and some of those uh, really indicate uh, how confident the the uh, candidate is whether they're listening. Now, active listening is a big part. I want a prime minister who listens to my concerns. And so you get a feeling of, uh, uh, of how engaged they are uh, in uh, considering the ideas of their opponents. So watching them tonight will be just as important as what they actually say coming out of their mouths. It'll be interesting to watch. Thank you so much for breaking it down, Robin. Appreciate it. My pleasure. And if I can mention, my blog site is brandedwithrobin.com. That's brandedwithrobin.com. And I have a post, do you know what your body is really saying? Love it. Robin Braley, communications expert. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. And that, uh, just a reminder too, we will be carrying the English language debate live tonight here on 770 CHQR from 7 till 9 p.m. Perfect. If you're tooling around town, you won't miss a thing. Mm -hmm.
Well, vaccine passports are being debated right across the country and here in Alberta, all eyes on Jason Kenney to see if he will implement one or stick to his guns and refuse to put one in play here in our province. To discuss the issue of vaccine passports, we are joined this morning by technology futurist, author and filmmaker Ian Kahn. Good morning, Ian. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, first of all, what is a futurist? Tell us that. (laughs) Well, a futurist is... uh someone who looks at um, information, data, emerging trends, and is able to maybe translate them into actionable insights that corporations, governments can follow. Okay, that makes sense. Let's, let's talk about the passport idea then. Your thoughts on that in terms of, of your background? Of course, see, the passports are something that uh, right now can help us open up the economy. It can help us open up the world. It's definitely, it's definitely a hot topic because of the way it's pitched and portrayed in, in, in different places, but there's a way to go about it and to make sure that economies open up and we get back to where we were in the pre-COVID time. Seems to me, Ian, that there's a lot of talk about them. Some people call them passports. Some people call them vaccination cards. And I guess it's not the case of which form you have, but just having one. Is that right? That is correct. I mean, back in the day, we used to have immunization records. Even going back in time, when people started migrating to America and Canada, they, they had to get immunized in their countries and maintain a record of those immunizations and those vaccines they took. Smallpox, polio, uh, measles, all of that. Uh, take a look at our passports. Passports that we use to travel from country to country. They are essential and they're mandatory. You cannot travel internationally without a passport. And in a similar way, the vaccine passports are should be looked at something that can help us enable travel again. Uh, but, but we have to tread carefully so that we don't segregate other people who don't have them. And we have uh, equality and inclusion all built into them. Let's talk about that, Ian, because I know that's you know one of the points that you have been talking about, that you know a globally acceptable vaccine passport rollout can actually undermine minorities. And what do you mean by that? So people uh, across the world definitely have access to the internet, to smartphones, but not everybody has it, right? There are communities and people who do not have access to smartphones or to the internet. I mean, more people in the world have access to uh, to, uh, to electricity and, and the internet than they have to affordable toilets. So there's, there's all kinds of things happening in the world. Um, we need to make sure that people who don't have access to, to technology still have an option to somehow show that they are vaccinated. Now, this could be done in many ways, whether it's a printed record, whether it's an immunization booklet. I think governments and lawmakers need to think really, really hard on how to make that possible. Ian, I'm wondering, as a futurist, you're talking about the, the, the process itself, but do you have an opinion when we get people who text into the radio program who say that uh, this infringes on our freedom if we're giving this information out? Is this a case of infringing on people's freedom to let, let it be known that they've had a vaccination? I think it's really one's personal opinion on what they consider to be their freedoms and if they are being infringed upon. I, I do respect everybody's uh, you know, uh, claim to that. Uh, we have to be sensitive towards that. In a country like Canada where we have equality, we have you know, everybody's uh, in it for, for, you know, together, we've got to make sure that we're not, we're not keeping some people um out of you know what what you know the mainstream should be um i really believe that uh we have to look at it in a different way the pandemic is not 
something that was planned. It's not something that anybody wants. The government doesn't want it. Private sector doesn't want it. And so we have to use a new way or new, some new strategy to make sure that we come back uh, from where we were because the devastation it has caused, not just in healthcare, but on the economy, on the jobs, on small business, is devastating. And so how do we come back? We need a radical approach. We need drastic steps. We need big measures that will help us accelerate that. And I really believe technology can help. There is a way to create privacy. There is a way to do, have inclusion despite using technology. And we can include everybody into this um, equation, but we've got to know exactly what we need to do and use the right technologies to do that. Let's talk about the technology aspect of it then. I mean, you're right. The pandemic wasn't planned. So governments, whether provincial or federal, were not prepared to create things like a vaccine passport. So, you know, we've just heard in Ontario that they're going to create their vaccine passport in-house as opposed to hiring a tech company to do it. So what's the best way to go about that? And and how do do governments sort of, you know, beef that up and, and be better prepared and improve the services that they offer? Of course, without, without commenting on any political party or, or, or uh, province, I, I do believe, unfortunately, that Canada is severely fragmented in, in kind of a unified approach. Everybody's trying to do their own thing. Provinces are doing their own thing. Central government is doing things of their own. Uh, we do not have a unified approach, and that's one of our problems. That's the reason why we've had late uh, onset of the vaccinations, and we're still catching up on, on mass vaccinations. Countries uh, everywhere else, you look at Israel, you look at the UAE, you look at other countries, they are doing things together as a team and rolling out things as a team. Um, I, I, In my opinion, uh, the Ontario government, I don't know if they're capable of producing that digital passport, vaccination passport on their own, but we have a tremendous amount of talent and it might be actually faster to outsource it to a competent company, uh, a, a vendor that can do it faster. And maybe perhaps look at integrating all um, uh, vaccination passports across Canada into one, because that is inevitable. We can't have 20 different vaccination passports in Canada and then think about integrating those with international vaccination passports. I mean, I'm, I'm from British Columbia and I need to go to Japan, or I'm from Ontario and I need to go to the U.S. and I have an Ontario vaccination passport. How are we going to manage that? It's going to be a nightmare. And in my opinion, if they don't integrate it right now, uh, right from the beginning, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a wastage of millions of dollars in the future. And that's what we're looking at. Ian, I'm wondering, you mentioned the other countries. Would we, uh, or is this an opportunity for us to not, you know, be at a disadvantage? Like if the other countries are doing it, could we as a nation, you know, find ourselves not on the competitive footing if the other nations have this together and, and Canada, in effect, doesn't? See, Canada generally is very competitive in technology and in commerce and doing a lot of great things. But I do believe that some other countries are moving ahead faster because purely of the guidance, the leadership, the, the direction they're in uh, and what they're focusing on. As I said before, we need to think with different rules working with this pandemic rather than have our traditional approach and you know have the Canadian way, which is great. But sometimes we need to kind of accelerate that a little bit as well. Uh, but it's not just about competing with other countries. It's about opening up your economy. It's about opening up small business, enterprise business, uh, enabling travel, safe travel for everybody. I mean, look at what's happened to families during COVID-19. They've been separated even between the U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. We need to start thinking about people and putting people first. 
uh, in how to use technology and, and pure leadership uh, to drive that further. Great conversation, Ian. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Thanks for having me. Take Appreciate care. it. You too. Ian Kahn is a technology futurist, author, and filmmaker. You can go to his website, Ian Kahn, K-H-A-N, iankahn.com. Get ready. One of the most popular events of the year is back, and it's on this weekend at the BMO Centre. Joining us with all the details on the Calgary Expo, the limited edition, is organizer Andrew Moyes. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Sue. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. You guys have an awesome lineup of guests and exhibitors. But first, let's get this out of the way and talk safety protocols and what the setup at the BMO is going to look like. Absolutely. As you said, a limited edition event, so it's going to be a, an opportunity. We have a nice large footprint at the BMO Centre. We have a limited release of tickets, so fans will be able to enjoy um, more of a spread out event and explore safely. Uh, we're encouraging everyone, obviously, to wash their hands and keep their distance where they can to stay home if they're not feeling well. And we've also had a, a mask mandate in place for our event for a few weeks now. And we're confident that our community, you know, it's such a great community, is going to approach the event with great responsibility so we can come back and unite under fandom safely together. Andrew, it's, you know, the names that draw people out there. So here's a chance for you to name drop and, you know, entice people to come check it out. Absolutely. Well, very excited to have Matthew Lewis from Harry Potter Mm -hmm. fame with us. We've tried a couple of times to get him here to Calgary, and we're just super pumped that he's going to make it this year. Uh, Ron Perlman from Hellboy uh, is going to be a great uh, a, a great guest. Katie Cassidy from Arrow as well. And John Barrowman, always a fan favorite um, from Arrow, and of course Doctor Who fame, will be with us as well. Some really great comic talent. As you know, comics is the foundation of these events, so wonderful to have David Finch with us this year. And also... Anime is really coming to the forefront right now. We have some VTubers from Hololive. This is an exclusive event um, for Calgary Expo. They'll be beaming in all the way from Japan, and fans can interact with these superstars on the screen. They'll take their questions. So a really nice, diverse guest list for something for everyone this year. Truly, and James Marsters, we had the pleasure of chatting with him the other day from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so I know there are a lot of people who are very excited about that. I have a son who's pumped. He's into anime and cosplay, uh, so that is a big deal, and everybody's encouraged to wear their costumes, whatever it might be, and be their, their, their favorite character for the weekend. Yeah, I mean, this is how we celebrate our heroes. This is how we celebrate as a community. And this is where the fans really become the stars of the show as well. People work for months on these incredible costumes. And we have different avenues where fans can show them off to each other, whether it's just in the aisles at the show. But we also have a cosplay red carpet, which is a really great event where people can just come and walk the red carpet, have their photo taken and be cheered on by everyone else in costume. So I'm really excited to see what new characters are going to be emerging. We always see Spider-Man and Batman, but what other characters are going to be emerging from what everyone's been watching over the past little while? Mm -hmm. Andrew's going to be the hottest ticket in town, again, kicking off tomorrow. How do people and, and where do they get their tickets? Go ahead to calgaryexpo.com. We have tickets starting from $40. We're open at 4 o'clock tomorrow. And as you say, we're down at uh, Stampede Grounds right through Sunday, 5 p.m. Fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us, Andrew. Much luck. It's going to be a great show. I have no doubt about it. Thank you for having me, and thank you. That is Andrew Moyes, organizer of the Calgary Expo. Again, go online to get your tickets and all the details, calgaryexpo.com. And just a heads up that Healthcare Heroes Day is tomorrow, kickoff day. So you can incorporate some love for our healthcare workers in their cosplay that day, and healthcare workers invited to sign up for free admission.
Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.